Well, hello there, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another Senior Times Wine Podcast. It's Mairead Robinson here again, and today we're going to be talking about cocktails. Now, who doesn't love a delicious pre-dinner cocktail? Whether you're a dirty martini or a whiskey sour fan, whether you prefer them shaken or stirred, a well-made cocktail is the ultimate amuse-bouche prior to a special dinner. Our cocktails have actually been around for 200 years, believe it or not. They began in America, well, there's no surprise there. But now, get your cocktail shaker ready and take notes, because my guest today is one of Ireland's top mixologists, Sean McGoldrick from Dublin's Shelburne Hotel. Sean, you're very, very welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. And Thank you for having me, Grace. I'm really looking forward to hearing your tips and suggestions for how to pick something good from a cocktail menu and also how to liven up your own cocktails at home. Basically, how can I spruce up my G&T or my whiskey and soda? <laughs> Give us a couple of secrets behind the cocktail scene. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's finally good to be, talk a bit about positivity in the, in the hospitality world. It's been a tough couple of months for us now with COVID. The serve now has completely changed. What we've seen now, especially when we just reopen as people's... Uh, desire for home for making cocktails at home and making them or coming in and order them as you know it's increased massively now. That's um, it really yeah. Oh yeah we see people and it's it, I suppose we always want to know if there's going to be a culture change after this this COVID um, pandemic and what we see now is people are coming in just to order something and they want to get the you know, get the experience back and, you know, try something new and, you know, they've been sitting at home and now they want to try experimental cocktails, they want to try different spirits, they want to try everything that's new um, to what we are offering and it's, you know, it's fabulous to see, like to, you know, especially the likes of gin now, gin is just, over the past couple of years, it's just blown up now and you can see people's orders are changing, they want to have grapefruit in there garnish they want to have raspberries they want to have strawberries you know the cucumber with the hendrix is the always one that probably really kicked it off but yeah i actually am a, I'm, a, I'm a gin person myself i like the old dirty martini but i've been writing about gins recently you know all the new craft gins that are on the market yeah. and because we have so many great irish gins it's an awful shame to drown them in an old cheap tonic so let's start by giving us a few tips for a great gin cocktail because that was something that i'd love yeah, so for me, what's the, 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 the you know, some, some classics that we use is uh, like there's a bramble, which is your classic, it's, it's sweetness, it's it's sour. And you'd have you just your classic gin, and what you do is you add about 35 minutes of gin, preferably a dry gin, because the ones that are quite floral, which is your kind of your Hendrix and your more Irish gin, um, it kind of gets overshadowed. So and then you add a bit, say, about you know, 35 minutes of gin, 20 of lemon. 10 of sugar give it a bit of a shake and then what you do is when you get your glass add a little bit of creme pour it into a fill of crushed ice and then pour chambord which is a black raspberry liqueur from uh, from france which is which is one of those key one of those key liqueurs that i recommend anybody buying because it can work in so many different types of cocktails um, and there's another one that i make quite a lot at home is because my wife personally likes them is a French 75 which is 35 ml of gin 20 of lemon uh, 10 of sugar and then topped up by Prosecco and then just have a little lemon garnish oh um, that sounds it's beautiful. delicious yeah it's it's one of the old classic ones that we have um, 
and you know ones that we also have you know vodka based is a, you know french martini vodka yeah chambord again and then some uh, some pineapple juice and a couple of raspberries and i give it a hard shake and into a glass and then it's perfect you know well you have a um well the shelburne is renowned uh, for your for your uh, your cocktail list because you come up with a new one every year don't you so obviously you're looking at what's what's on trend um, so tell us what's on trend in in, in your current uh, cocktail list. So we uh, we release two cocktail lists per year, and we have a spring, summer, and then we have autumn, winter. And we kind of just see what's um, what is trending around the world, and the likes. Of, and we really look into the likes of New York and London to see what's, see what's you know really kicking off there and was really popular. No. When it comes to a cocktail list, we, we take it really seriously there. What we do is we tell the guys about two or three months in advance, you know, to start preparing, starting, you know, studying, seeing what's in fashion. Um, and what we've seen is it's, you know, people always say what's what's in fashion now. Um, like, obviously, gin is always going to be there, but gin has its, its ability of everybody likes it, you know, all from all ages. Um, but what we're seeing is now, as just touched on it before, is... The, the, the culture is changing, which is even more interesting. We're seeing all ages order cocktails yes. coming in. And, you know, they used to be, you know, the older generation, you'd see brandy and ginger ale. You serve lots of brandy and ginger ale. Or, or after a meal, you see sherry's been up. But there, that's gone now. So yeah. what you actually see now is people coming in, ordering cocktails, espresso martinis, you know, tequila cocktails, margaritas, and that's what we look into and we look into seeing what kind of what what kind of people are coming into and can we create a list that is it works for all ages so we've got your young based ones that would probably be a bit more daring and try the a tequila based or mezcal cocktail and then you've got the ones that are just you know that only know a certain cocktails like cosmopolitans you know, old fashions, and we work, we do little twists on them. So when we're recommending cocktails, they're like, "Oh yeah, we, it's a twist in an old fashioned." People just pick up on that. There's no point, especially with the likes of Shelburne, because we get all ages. There's no point in frightening people with these scary ingredients, the likes of mezcal, which is a smoky, smoky tequila-based cocktail, which no one's going to try. You know, um, mm. and that's what we try to do. We try to see, and especially spring summer we want to have light fresh flavors and um, you know fresh fruits locally produced fruits and then coming into the winter you'd want some like some warming cocktails you know bit, probably a bit more stronger not as light as the spring summer um, and that's what we do and we're looking to seeing the likes of you know autumn winter irish whiskey probably quite dominant in it um chambord uh, black raspberry liqueur um, and all these kind of ingredients just so that when people come in they sit down it's all about the experience as well like it's, which is very important for us that when people sit down in the Shelburne they know they're only going to have one or two drinks but they want to make the experience perfect and that's what we look into and then you know it takes a lot of work a lot of hard work for my guys to do it but we've we've been quite successful in the past couple of years well my heart bleeds for you having to sit up all night trying mixing different yeah, things that's a tough job, isn't it? It's, it's not as glamorous as it sounds, but it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's you know when it's it's 
it's quite enjoyable to be fair. Yes, of course. I know. Well, I mean, I know. I know the Shelburne is quite special. I've had the privilege of staying there once or twice over the years, but I don't think I ever went in to the Horseshoe for a cocktail. I must put that on my to-do list. It's a magnificent bar. Yeah, it must be great to be open again. Uh, the pandemic was a terrible time for the hospitality industry, and people missed it so much because it's such a convivial thing, isn't it? It's not just the drink; it's the whole ambiance, the whole theatre, the whole. Um, effect and experience of being in there so it must be a great boost for all the staff as well as all the lucky people who are coming through the door absolutely and like you know we you know we wanted to in the show when we want when we got the guidelines our main focus was making the, the staff and customers feel safe and we yes. focused on that from the minute we opened we got the regulations we stuck by every single one of them we wanted to because we you know we knew that people there is people out there who were just the minute the door opens, they'll go out the door and they'll go to have a drink. That's no, that's no problem. But we knew that there was going to be other people out there who just didn't feel safe enough. And that's what that's what we concentrated on when we were yes. open. Making people feel safe and making people that when they come back, that, you know, we're one of those first destinations they want to go to. And that's what we've seen. We've seen people, you know, since July 19th, which is when the international travel opened up, We've seen passports and driver's license from all around the world just coming in, just delight to be home, to see families. And they recognized how safe we were keep, we were, we were doing each one of the bars. And they appreciated that. And then they came back again. And, you know, just the past two weeks, we've seen a major difference in the, in the customers. There's lots more coming in. Um, and, you know, it's just great to see because you can see people that haven't seen people in two, three years. People have never seen their, you know, grandchildren before, and they're using us as a meeting point, which we re, which we, it always has been done. But we just made sure that we wanted to make it everybody feels safe yeah. and comfortable, and you know, people are just delighted and they're so much calmer and so much happier to see. Yeah, it's great because you would have a very mixed clientele. You'd have people from all around the country, as well as Dubliners, as well as your international clientele, people coming to stay with you. So you've got quite a mix. So I guess it's yeah. hard for you to actually be able to say what's your what are the most popular cocktails because you've got such a different customer base, really, isn't that yeah. so? Yeah, well, we do keep I do like keep an eye on it. Like how I describe the number twenty seven, I always describe number twenty seven as very much like an airport bar. As people come just for that one or two drinks, you know, just to meet up with people or before dinner or after dinner. Yes. And you know, it's the volume of guests you come in to see. Like it's nothing that you've ever seen before. You just want to get the, you know, a glass of champagne, a bottle of champagne, and they want to meet up the friends, and then they go on to the next stop. And we knew that we 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 knew that was the issue. And um, like we did, you know, international guests are coming back. We had a um, a very interesting guest on Saturday night, the Prince of Monaco, who was staying in the hotel. Oh so, yes, he was around. Was he was staying in the Shelburne? Was he with his children? He, he was indeed, yes, because his, his his mother has a sweet name after the Princess Grace. Oh, um, of course, that's right. Yes, he was. He was. I saw him photographed in Trinity. So he's a big he's a big whiskey fan. So he came in and such a nice gentleman. We went around and said hello to all the staff members. Uh, gave me a Monaco on Ireland pin for my for my uh, lapel uh, for my suit. So yeah, he was, and it was good to see that kind of atmosphere and a liveliness back in the Shelburne, which we sorely missed, you know. So what did he have? What was his tipple then? 
So he's he's a big whiskey fan. So he went up to our 18th. We've got a, a, a residence bar 1824 at the top of the stairs as you walk into the Shelburne, uh, and he just loves his Middleton whiskies and uh, he tried a few Bushmills. Um, big whiskey fan, and you know my guys they can talk all day about whiskey, and he really appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, he seems to have a great time. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Can you, just for people now um, listening who are making notes like I am, can you tell me again the ingredients in the French 75? So it's a 35 mil, uh, 35 mil of gin, preferably dry gin. So your, um, your, you know, your gunpowder Irish gin is a perfect one for that. Really, 20 mil of lemon juice and then 10 mil of sugar syrup. Give it a bit of a shake together. Uh, put it into a, a champagne flute, and then just top it up by prosecco or champagne, and then have a little lemon twist at the top. That really does sound good. It's got the yeah. bubbles as well, which is beautiful. Well, that sounds that sounds very certainly doable at home. There are a couple of ingredients that go into a lot of popular cocktails that are not so common. Can you name those? I always recommend people to have Aperol because Aperol is once again it's a it's a classic aperitif from Italy, and what that does is gives the opportunity to um, make Aperol spritzes, which which is. Once again, one of the most popular drinks now at the minute. Yes, I've made them. I've, I've made them actually at parties, yes. Yes, and they're perfect because when it comes to making drinks at, uh, at home, I always tell people to make keep them simple because if you make them overcomplicated, people tend to get fed up and then they, 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 <laughs> the measurements don't add up at the, when they're making their third or fourth. But Aperol is one that I always recommend. I recommend to have Chambord, which is a French blackberry liqueur and um, there's one also which is also what I recommend is to have uh, Lille Blanc which is a white vermouth from uh, France and it's once again beautiful it has a little orange zesty flavours and you can do a little you can do a twist on a Aperol spritz by changing over from the Lille Blanc over to the uh, from Aperol to Lille Blanc and there's a different twist on a, on a classic drink yeah excellent I must remember that my my dad had um had a, had a corner cabinet in the dining room and he had um, he had cocktail shapers and he, he was showing off and making cocktails when, when, you know, my uncles were around and they were having dinner or something. But 
as I say, I was a bit small and I can't remember exactly what he what he made, but um, I have the cocktail shakers. I've kept them, the old, you know, the old fashioned oh ones. And my God, that must have been really, that's interesting now. That's, that's, I wonder what it was. Yeah, that's making yeah. cocktails back then. Wow. But I've got the cocktail shakers. That's to say, there were two of them. My sister kept one and I kept the other. So that's why I'm keen here with my pen and paper to get some uh, suggestions from you to see if I can revive it. There's so many classic books out there and there's always one I do recommend for people that, that are just, um, that, you know, just want to make something at home. It's, it's called the Savoy Cocktail Book. This is the first um, cocktail book actually released. Uh, it's done by Jerry Thomas and it's, it's world-renowned because what it does is it has all those classic cocktails and all this, they're all kind of simple re recipes done from over 100 years ago. And what you do is if people read it and just have a quick look over it, the majority of those cocktails are in cocktail lists now. Really? Only just doing a little, only just doing a little bit of twist, only bit of twists. But it's it's the one that if you talk to any any uh, mixologist or any bar manager, they will always say they will always return to that. So it's a Savoy cocktail book. You can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon, and it's 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 uh, definitely worth to have at home. Oh well, that's um, very good tip. I must mention that too in the next article. So that'll. Um... Because I have seen various different cocktail um, menus and ingredients, but like often the, uh, the 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 information wouldn't be that clear for people, or they would feel perhaps it wasn't so accessible. But that sounds good. The Savoy cocktail book. What about yourself, Sean? What would be your favourite cocktail? Are you a cocktail man yourself? I am indeed. Yes, like and and it's I always it depends on how I'm feeling. Like on a like on a day like today, cause it's a gorgeous day here and. Wicklow, I would Aperol Spritz would have would have be perfect for me right now. Um, and if it's you know in the winter, old fashions um, and you know a classic margarita never goes wrong for me. To be fair, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those drinks that I've been drinking for a while. But you can see it's gathering pace now. Lots of people are really enjoying those type of drinks now. Yeah, no, you're right about the Aperol. I had it in Italy and then I got a few bottles when I, when I came back and it's very easy to make and it's very attractive looking and it's a nice one to hand yeah. out at a dinner party. Yeah, that's it, a good one. It is because it, you add a bit of sweetness that it adds to Prosecco. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's a, quite light and you know, when you add soda water to it as well, it's it's a low ABV one, so it's not it's not heavy alcohol. So, it, it, you know, it's a nice summer's day it's refreshing. So yeah. You don't see the heaviness of alcohol and it's light. And it, a nice and it slice just, of orange on the glass. Yeah, and it's perfect and you can just sip away and it doesn't play in your mind of how much alcohol you're having. Yeah. That's why, you know, in Italy, it's 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 just huge now. And, it know, is indeed. You see them everywhere. Yeah. 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 So tell me um, about yourself. Like, how did you come to, um, to end up where you are now? Did you always have an interest in... in the bar life and in working yeah. in bars and working your way up to being one of the country's top mixologists. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I always had a draw to bars. And I remember like years when I first finished my leaving cert, it was a bar management course. And um, this was during the Celtic Tiger. So you were easy. I was kind of distracted and told to do an apprenticeship just to earn money because everybody was earning money at this stage. But when I finished my apprenticeship, I went into bars and I started off in uh, as a, a full-time bartender in the Harbour Master Bar in Dublin, in, in the IFSC. And then I travelled for a bit. And then I started to take it seriously enough when I went to, I moved to London 
and I was working in a four-star hotel where I got a management position. And I was like doing your classic, uh, classic bar manager job, you know, get to know the locals, taking after beers. But it was only when I got um, approached to go to a five-star hotel uh, in called the Hamyard Hotel in Piccadilly Circus in just in, off Soho in London. And I remember when I started there, I, you know, I was I remember being quite arrogant, thinking that Irish bartenders were the greatest. You know, we knew how to deal with, <laughs> we knew how to pour points of Guinness, we knew how to uh, we knew how to deal with a crowd. We were fun, you know. We were able to have good crack with people, you know, deal with live music. And I remember going to the five star hotel, and then in the first week, being going, "Oh my God, I'm actually, I, I'm actually not as good as I think I am." Yeah. <laughs> It's called because a reality had, check, yeah. A reality check, 100%. I remember, I remember we were working and there was three, bar, I seen, on my first day, I seen three bartenders uh, tasting some Amaros and Vermouths behind the bar. Amaro Montenegro, Cochi de Torino and some Cochi Americano. And these are Italian Vermouths and Amaro. And I couldn't believe these guys were drinking behind the bar. And I said to my boss, who was... An, Australian, an Irish Australian gentleman called Owen Kenny, and he said, "Yeah, they need to work in their palate." And I was like, <laughs> what "Do you mean they need to work in their palate?" I never heard anything about palate before. And he goes, "Oh yeah, they need to know so when they're tasting cocktails that they know if they've made it right, if they made it wrong." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And then later on that night, we had uh, we I got notice of that there was a prince arriving. A prince arriving into the hotel and everyone's I was like oh there's a prince arriving and everyone's like oh this is calm as anything and then he ordered a bottle of wine and I remember I'll never forget it it was a Tignello I remember super Tuscan wine it was 300 pound and I remember the girl that was serving was an Australian girl and the guy came in and he was with his wife he had one glass he left left the bottle there and then all the staff started to get really excited about this bottle of wine. And I was like, I've never even heard of this wine. Right. I don't even know what, what, what wine this is. But wait, when he left, we all, so basically this wine was a fine wine, 300 euro bottle. And all the staff knew about it. And I knew, for, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm way behind here. You have a lot to learn, yeah. Yeah, so I stayed for the next year or so. I did. I studied. I studied wine, WSCT, yeah, level two, level three. I learned about the remotes. I learned everything. I learned. I, f I learned that there was a ladder system in the hospitality, and this is the this was the Premier League. And if I didn't know all, yes, all about these spirits and all about these cocktails, then I gone behind. And I remember when my wife moved home, she got a job offer. We were away for ten years, and I was staying in London. And I only said I'd only go back if I got a job in Shelburne, thinking that it would be another six six months or a year so I could stay. But my mother-in-law found the job a week later. And I was on an interview. And then about two weeks later, I got the job in Shelburne. And then How I long ago back. was that, Sean? How long are you at Shelburne now? Just nearly four years, yeah. Four, four years. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a culture change coming back. You know, the 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 drink culture was so much different. Yes. Than it is into London. You know, I remember doing my interview and seeing optics behind the bar, and I'm going, I haven't seen an optics since I was in my uh, since in my local in Selbridge. You know, and I was yeah. like, I forgot about them. 
But it's been a lot of hard work. You know, it's been a tough challenge. You know, what we've done now in the Shelburne, we've got a great team there now. We've we've improved. We improved our cocktail culture. We've improved our spirits culture, our whiskey culture there. You know, our main focus is just understanding that people, when people come to the Shelburne, it's all about the experience. Yes. You know, have that one drink and, and you know, it could be people meeting people for the first time in 10, 20, 30 odd years. Um, and we focused on that and we're, we, we, we're on the right track now and especially at this moment in time when we've reopened, you can see it just come to life. So obviously your palate is now well trained at this stage. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know. I, it's, I try to keep it up to date and try to keep on top of things, but um, it's one of those things as a bar manager, like I try to, I try to view cocktails going out as a chef on a pass. I just want to make sure everything's going out perfectly. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I've teach that to my staff members as well. You know, when we create lists, the bartenders create lists. I want them to, you know, spend weeks training, uh, studying cocktails, get, delivering and creating cocktails. So when they get their cocktail on the list, that when, if, if you come in and you approach one of my bartenders, they're able to tell you everything. And then give you the whole, the whole experience of how they made it, what they made it, and then you're like, "Wow, this is this is the experience that I expect here at the yeah. shop." Yeah, I think I think that's what a good cocktail is all about. And obviously, a, a mixologist like yourself is able to is able to give that experience to people because they don't just come for the drink; they come for the experience, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and so. definitely see that. Definitely see that now. And when the Americans yeah. came back. And the Americans, like the Americans are brilliant because they will tell you how they like their martini. Like you said, you like your dirty martini. I'm pretty yeah. sure you like it a certain way. These these Americans are exactly the same. That just yeah. brings bartending to a new level. Yeah, yeah. It's a j- bit of a James Bond influence there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Men, I think, is the new one. Mad Men with their whiskey now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, listen, it's been great talking to you, Sean. And um, mm. hopefully next time I'm in Dublin, I'll make it up there. And, well, uh, I'll book you a seat, so don't worry. So anytime you can just, just drop me a text and I'll book you a seat in the bar and we can go through the whole list all together. Oh, right. And I can re-educate my palate. Sounds fab. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> listen, Sean, thank you so much. That was really interesting. Take care and thank you again. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.